Riley Reed, your hostess and the creator of Woke Beauty. This show illuminates the power of perspective, compelling you to tune into unfiltered conversations with a dynamic myriad of female visionaries interwoven with my own mental health stories, lessons, and philosophies. Hey, hi, hello, how is it going? Welcome back to the show, and thank you as always for being here with me wherever you are in the world. This is a big topic for me, hypomania. I have been putting it off for some time to dive in and cover um, this mood state. Mania, that key text, comes with a lot of stigma and is highly misunderstood. So there is a lot to sift through. But I'm actually going to keep this pretty brief and punchy and do my best to make it as personal as possible so we don't get too far into the nitty-gritty clinical stuff. As always, please keep in mind that I'm just a girl with a story. I'm not a professional. I'm not licensed. I am a nerd around this stuff, in part because understanding it on an intellectual level has helped me cope with it. So I'm hopeful that what I shared today is helpful, whether you yourself have experienced hypomania or mania, whether someone you love has experienced the mood state, or whether you just want to gather more insight and knowledge around the topic. So I, when I was initially diagnosed with bipolar 2, my psychiatrist, you know, we met for a really long time in our first meeting, and she asked me a sequence of questions. I didn't realize that there was another mood state I had exhibited and experienced other than depression until I went through the conversation with her. She revealed, just by asking me questions with openness and curiosity, that I had experienced another pull. And I think we have to be really careful with that terminology because I think the term bipolar, you know, by anything, it really leads us to believe that everything is one or the other, black or white, like much of the world functions but actually so much of the condition just like life is fluid and contrarily to this sort of polar language there is actually potential for moods to mix and there is also just a lot of space for nuance and further you know neither mood state is constant um, we, we don't live constantly in this hypomanic state or manic state. We don't live constantly in this depressive state. Most of the time, especially if we're healthy and we are managing our condition, we're living somewhere in the gray, just like a lot of other people living and breathing in the world. And so what's really important to understand is that all of, this, all of these explanations and everything that um, I'm going to talk through... These are like the marks and the experiences of 
having bipolar and bipolar 2, but they don't define the lived experience of the person. I hope that makes sense. And so hypomania is, is it can't sustain because it is such a surge. What goes up must come down. And so it is a, a shorter period experience, mood state, version of mania. And it's also less severe in that there um, is no psychosis. Generally, you know, uh, well, not generally, if you have if you have or are experiencing hypomania, you're not going to be hallucinating. Uh, once those things start to happen, which hopefully you don't ever move into that space. But, but if you are to experience those things, then you are experiencing mania. And that can happen. Hypomania, if it's not, uh, or I should say bipolar 2, if it's not controlled or if it's not managed, it can propel into bipolar 1. And so a lot of the um, treatment around bipolar 2 is to prevent that from happening. And so when I first met with my psychiatrist and as I've gotten to know her and work with her over the course of the past four plus years, um, she has reminded me, you know, make sure you're taking your medication, make sure even moreover that you're taking care of yourself so that you can maintain and manage your condition. There are various symptoms that come with hypomania that were particularly interesting to me because some of them I thought were just like a personality trait that sometimes just decided to rear its head. Um, and then, I realized that it wasn't a part of my personality at all. It was just like a shift in mood. And uh, you might hear some of these things. And if you don't, if you've never been diagnosed with bipolar 2 or you don't um, have it at all, uh, then, you know, know that like these, these things, these symptoms are um, specific and they generally last a certain amount of time. So they're not, it's not like a split second. It's not a day. It's not two days. It's usually a four to five day period of this, whatever it is, happening like continually. And further, it's not just one symptom. It's a cluster of symptoms. So usually you have to, for criteria, you have to meet at least three. And so, you know, some people might exhibit different behavior than other people. For me, I actually started after I <laughs> accepted my diagnosis and started to kind of like journey through figuring it out. I started to record myself in these different phases. And I actually had recorded myself prior to the diagnosis, not realizing that when I recorded myself, I was, in hindsight, I was in a state that was not my baseline was not like my general gray area. So I'm not going to share everything because I have boundaries, but um, but generally the ones that are most common that I exhibited were on the on the high side, meaning on the side where hypomania feels addictive because it feels so good. There is this feeling of like elation, of gaiety, of um almost like there's this kind of desire to be flamboyant, just like strut around. You know, you have a tendency to talk really fast. And, and that's something I 
realized like I would talk really fast and I felt like nobody could keep up with me. And it was very frustrating that I have all these ideas. I have so much to say and no one's in stride with me. Like no one understands me. No one sees me. I'm too much. I'm too fast. And that can conjure up a lot of you know, unusual irritability, a lot of excitement, you know, generally the the world is just suddenly moving very quickly. And for that reason, you know, there are a lot of people who have suffered with bipolar two who are very creative because the other thing that you just suddenly don't need is sleep. And so, you know, there are people who have had those experiences where they're up super late and they're fine or whatever, but we're talking about five days of like little to no sleep and you don't feel tired at all like you're just running on like pure just I don't even know some kind of energy that comes out of nowhere um or comes from a disorder called bipolar 2 um but yeah you don't feel this need to sleep in fact like I'm like I will be resistant to sleep like I'm I'm angrily against sleep like hell no I'm not sleeping and then there you know for me there's this tendency to just jump from topic to topic from thing to thing it's very hard to focus it's very hard to ground it's just kind of this constant perpetual frenetic energy and where it can get a little tricky is that you, you maybe me, yeah, you might take chances and risks that you normally wouldn't because you're like, ah, oh, I'm, I'm great. You know, I'm, I'm feeling lucky. All is well. All those other stressors don't matter. Let's see how this goes. And it does not always go well. <laughs> so, you know, there are things that you might choose um, or decide on that, you know, when you're at your baseline, when you're, when your scales are balanced, you, that it just wouldn't be you, you know, like at your core, that's just not a decision that you would make. And we've seen very, very exaggerated versions of that in media. I'm sure everyone can think of, of, you know, a story or a scene that they saw around someone who struggled with bipolar and um, it doesn't always look like that. It might be excessive shopping to the point of severe debt, for example. Um, it might be traveling somewhere, you know, despite health restrictions or, you know, like it's generally going beyond capacity and kind of enjoying going beyond capacity. There's a lot of like envelope pushing. And so, you know, again, it's like, it's a really great feeling, you know, it's, it kind of feels a little like a drug. Who doesn't want to have like endless energy and not need sleep? And I mean, well, maybe everybody wants to need sleep. I don't know. Remember that? Hey, you go back a couple of episodes. I talked all about sleep, by the way hypomania is directly connected to quality of sleep anyway not to get off topic but to get off topic (laughs) it is really great to just feel like you can run without much self-care you know but the thing is hypomania isn't just these supposed positive factors it also can bring about that irritability which can just come out of nowhere and is very annoying and generally conjures up anxiety it can bring out kind of like hostility um, paranoia you know you might be at a dinner party and like say something that maybe is like you know 
slightly inappropriate and then think about it for a long time afterwards hoping that you didn't say something wrong but because you're moving so quickly you know sometimes the thoughts that should just stay in the mind you know they just flood they flood out <laughs> so yeah it's it's a very interesting mood state and part of the issue with it as well is that because it is um, such a surge when it ends it's very common that you fall into depression and the depressive episodes last much longer. They're generally what send people in to see the psychiatrist because they're so, I mean, we, and that was the last episode we talked about depression. If you want to go listen to that, if you haven't already, depression is so, so awful. And so we have to, to recognize and, and respect that hypomania, it, it can be the, what's the word that I'm looking for? Well, whatever, let's just call it the thing. It can be the thing that causes depression to to happen in bipolar 2. And so um, you're really, a lot of the care that you do for yourself, a lot of the care I do for myself is preventative um, so that, you know, things don't escalate. I have really paid attention to what causes me to experience hypomania, knowing that, you know, sometimes things are out of my control. There's only so much I can do around my health in general. I think that goes for everybody. But I I also believe that we all have, um, we're all susceptible to different conditions, different illnesses, different faults. Um, we all come from, you know, different family lines, and I think it's really important to acknowledge and, again, respect that we have a duty to take special care over certain parts of us that are more vulnerable to illness or weakness um, or to just, you know, the stressors of life. And so if I know that that one of mine is my mind is more susceptible, is more vulnerable to to really to everything. It's more there's more fragility there. Then I need to go the extra mile to help my mind um, stay safe and stay stable, stable and capable to carry me through life. And so that might take extra work that other people don't have to do, you know, but those people have to do other things, you know? I think I, I have eczema. I've had eczema my whole life. And so like the lotions and the ointments that I have to use, there are other people that don't have to use those lotions or ointments, you know? And that's okay. Like eczema is one of my things. I gotta take special care, you know? And so some of these things that can cause hypomania, like a lot of them people use or um, involve in their lives regularly, you know? But that doesn't mean that they're for me. And I've had to really accept that. And so, of course, I've talked about this before. The list, first and foremost, alcohol. Alcohol is, it's a depressant, but it it can really be a stimulant for hypomanic, hypomania. And, you know, it just, it's, it's like, it pours gas. I mean, actually, there's a great quote that talks about how um, alcohol is like pouring gas on anxiety. So, you know, anxiety is something that can um, coexist with hypomania, but they're two different things. But similarly, it can be like gas for hypomania. And so I have to be very careful with alcohol consumption. I generally these days don't drink much. If I do, I keep it minimal and I'm careful to pay close attention to what I have going on 
around the drinking to my mood state while I'm drinking and uh, to make sure that like other parts of my life that also need to be a certain way, need to be in line, are that way. Because if, if we have a multiple, if we have multiple kind of decisions that maybe don't support the disorder or the condition, then it's like everything might come crumbling down, you know. But if I know I'm going to get nine hours of sleep and I know that I've been taking my medication regularly, I know that like generally I'm in a happy state of mind, I'm around people who love me, then okay, a couple of drinks, maybe I will go that route if I'm in a space where I'm drinking. But if things are off kilter, it can just, it can take things further. And so it's really not worth it. And I say that all of this kind of like, I say all of this carefully because um, I'm not in a place in my life where I want to say that I'm never drinking again, but I am very mindful around drinking and I generally don't drink. So, it, you know, it's a very... Um, it's kind of a blurry topic for me. And I would say, you know, I'm sober curious. Look it up. It's it's an interesting um, kind of wave that we're all on right now. It's very popular. But, but yeah, it's just like it's not a simple conversation. So same with caffeine. Caffeine is – it's energizing, right? It's a stimulant. And so it can trigger an episode. Sugar can trigger loud, crowded environments – all of those things, especially mix them all up into a nice little potion and like poof, you know, or boom, whatever you prefer, um, you know. So uh, it's it's relatively like common sense. And I have, I if I'm really tracking, um, which can be really helpful to, to track your mood state and to journal and kind of see what the patterns are in your life. If I'm tracking, I can totally pinpoint you know, like the environments that I went into or the choices that I made that might have contributed to me feeling a certain way. So eating meals regularly, I've had a tendency to like skip meals until dinner, you know, and what that does is um, it affects your blood sugar and your blood sugar affects your cortisol. So, you know, not ideal. I think one of the best things I've done that I highly recommend for anybody, and I, I like to try to on the show Though I'm talking specifically about bipolar 2, especially talking about hypomania, I try to encourage behaviors and tactics for that are more universal, you know. So I do think everyone would benefit from a mood journal, even if, if you already journal, just integrate it into your journaling practice where you keep track of how you're feeling. Look at the emotion wheel. Where, where do you fall? Because it can really help you to, again, take care of the places where you're vulnerable and follow suit. You know, if you know that staying up till midnight is going to throw you into a mood of despair, then like, don't do that. Yeah, I'm a big fan of mood journals. And if you find that you're having a hard time getting, gaining some control over your mood, it's very important to get with a healthcare provider, ideally a psychiatrist, someone who is um, well-versed in the mind, uh, to build a plan so that you can get things on track. If you're experiencing hypomanic episodes, you can get those under control. 
that is absolutely possible. The more you have, the closer they are together, the more the more susceptible you are to mania. So you really want to try to separate them. You want to shorten them as much as possible, maybe eventually to a point where you don't experience them. And I know there is resistance to that, but again, you are preventing yourself from a worse experience. And so the, the suffering of not experiencing the elation or the euphoria is far, far, far smaller than suffering and experience of mania. And so I think reminding yourself of that is really important and figuring out where you can find a semblance of euphoria and elation in other parts of your life. Okay, I want to end with a quote that I found and I really like it. It says, I know the empathy born of despair. I know the fluidity of thought the expansive, even beautiful mind that hypomania brings. And I know this is quicksilver and precious and often it's poison. There has always existed a sort of psychic butcher who works the scales of transcendence, who weighs out the bloody cost of true art. And David Lovelace said that, um, and I've not read his work, but I found that quote a while ago and I loved it. I just thought it really explained the difficulty in kind of loving um, a mood state that does not support you at all. While I have thought of some incredible ideas and created some beautiful works of art, it is fleeting, so it is not worth it. But as, as I've said there's beauty in everything. If you want a really good memoir that um, is written by a really amazing person who struggles with bipolar 2, and I, pardon me if, that, if I'm saying that wrong because there are multiple forms of bipolar and that might not be the one that she, she has, but it's called I'm Lying But I'm Telling the Truth by Bassi Iqbee and it's really, really, really good. I highly recommend reading it. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening, and I hope this was useful. This is a really massive topic that could have its own show, <laughs> but I think what I just want to drive home is that you can have some semblance, some variance of control over your condition no matter its severity, no matter um, how overwhelming it feels. It's just a journey. And if you take it minute by minute, step by step, day by day, you will find that you can build a map that will bring you home. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Your listening ears mean the world to me, and they're what makes this podcast real. If you have a moment, please rate and review. It helps a lot. You can meet me on Instagram at RileyBlanksRead. Learn more about Woke Beauty at WokeBeauty.com. And you can always drop some feedback in my inbox at Riley at WokeBeauty.com. 
I would love to hear from you. As always, remember, you can have a beautiful day, even if it's not that beautiful.